Hello, I'm Paula Jenkins, a transformative life coach and retreat leader. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that talks about the stories of people following their hearts, finding work that lights them up, and looking at how joy plays a part in their journey. To learn more about this podcast, head on over to jumpstartyourjoy.com. And if you want to find out more about me, you can go to my website at paulajenkinsonline.com. So friends, I am so excited to announce that there has been so many exciting things that happened in this last week. I graduated officially from the Courageous Coaching Training Program, and now I'm a certified life coach. A bunch of the coaches from that program have also gotten together and started a YouTube channel called The Coach's Table. And this month, we are talking about perfectionism. Each of us will be posting a different video over this month about that topic, and we'll be doing a different topic every month. You could also hear an interview where I am a guest on Michelle Ward's podcast, and that's at the When I Grow Up uh, website, which is whenigrowup.com slash G-U-G. It was a big honor, so thank you, Michelle, for having me on. And then lastly, in just three short weeks, I have the Dream Into Action Retreat coming up. That's a three-day retreat running November 13th through 15th, and it's going to be all online. It had originally been an in-person retreat, but we had to change it around. But if you want to sign up, I have a discount code EB10, and it's running through October 31st. That'll give you $10 off our full price, which is $97, which is a super good deal because we have 10 speakers, and you'll get to download all of the videos to keep or you know review later. Plus, we'll have some community aspects. It's a real virtual retreat, so it'll be a lot of fun to see you there. If you'd like to learn about that or the free webinar I'm throwing on November 5th, which is five ways to bring your dream into action, just text the word READY, R-E-A-D-Y, to 66866. Okay, and now, without further ado, I bring you the interview with Earl Rivard. Today we have Earl Rivard, who is a performer, a recording artist, a musician, and a retreat leader. So welcome to the podcast, Earl. Hey, thank you, Paula. It's great to be here. Yeah, totally my pleasure. It's a joy to have you here. Thank you. Absolutely. (laughs) Would you like to tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? Who I am and what I do. I feel like I wear so many hats. I have been a musician and a performer and sort of a storyteller really kind of all my life. I feel like it's just sort of been organically kind of woven into into my into my experiences really from my earliest days. You know, I just, I get so much joy out of being in front of people and singing songs and telling stories and sharing of myself. It's just kind of integral to who I am. And I've had the chance to do that on, on many different stages. As to the question of who I am, um, I think that's definitely been shaped by, um, you know, one of the factors that has definitely shaped who I am is that I'm a person with a, with a disability. I was actually blinded in a, in a car accident when I was a little boy. I was, I was actually a baby, only four months old, and that really is the kind of thing that is bound to impact your life in a lot of ways, um, and I'm sure has shaped me in ways I can't even quantify, but I, I imagine that, I, that it, it has made me in some ways the person that I am. When people ask me who I am these days, I guess I, I generally answer that I'm one of my important roles that I play now is a husband, a very happy husband. I've been married for two years, and that's definitely an important part of me. I'm a teacher. I teach creative arts to people with disabilities. I do all kinds of different things. I don't know who I am and what I do because I can't. I, I, I love these people who have like this neat little box they can put around, you know, what do you do? Well, I do this. Oh, that's awesome. When people ask me that, I'm kind of like, well, I do a lot of things. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I know it's kind of a rambling answer, but it's a hard question to answer sometimes. It is. You know? Yeah. Well, and I think your answer and your reflection there brings up the question of, you know, do folks who have a, a neat and packaged answer, you know, are they really just kind of putting a bow on it for the <laughs> for the sake of appearances <laughs> or something, you know? Yeah, know. well, you know, I mean, perhaps, perhaps that's true. Although sometimes, I mean, sometimes I envy that bow. It's such a funny thing, like if someone comes up to you, like at a, at a cocktail party and is like, well, tell me what you do. And you're like, well, how much time do you have? <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we have a whole podcast, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're happy to unpack it here. So, so as as a kiddo, what were your early sparks of joy? Oh, God, I love that question. 
my early sparks of joy kind of all tie into, well, kind of what I said in my intro. They, they're all just sort of these wonderful mirrors of, of who I am and what I've become, you know. I, you know, so for example, music, right? Like music, mm-hmm. music has just sort of been there always. Like there wasn't a time when I, there wasn't like this moment where I was like, hey, I'm going to be a musician. It just sort of organically happened. And, and, I, and I look back on like on my earliest childhood and there were like, there were guitars around the house. And my dad would play guitar, hearing him play and just kind of strumming strings of his guitar. Like he would hold it and he would kind of chord it and I would stand in front of him as like a two-year-old, a three-year-old and strum the strings. It just brought me this great sense of joy. And like, you know, I, I remember my earliest sort of formal intro to music sitting in a high chair. And mm-hmm. my dad, you know, so I, mean, I had to be like two years old, so I'm sitting in a high chair. And my dad's feeding me breakfast cereal and there's music in the background. And he's telling me about the Beatles. My mm-hmm. dad's just like, this is the Beatles. And my dad loves the Beatles. And I love the Beatles, too. I mean, they were, they were part of my soundtrack, even though I came along too late to hear them, you know, when they were new. But it's just sort of woven into the fabric of my life. And that was definitely an early spark of joy. I've always had a love of storytelling. Like, you know, I feel like the music that I do is intertwined really inextricably with personal storytelling. And I, I think about, again, my early days, right? When I was four or five years old, I used to listen to these stories on tape. Like, I remember that we had a couple quick examples. Like, you know, we, we had a record, a vinyl record that I would listen to of the Disney story, Bambi, you know, Little Animals in the Forest, right? But what yeah. was really cool, what was really cool about it at the time is that, like, I was listening to the story and at the time, we actually lived up in a rural part of Northern California. We lived up kind of near Mount Shasta, essentially in this deep forest. We lived in this crazy little cabin in the middle of a forest. My dad had his first teaching job in this little tiny town. And so I'm listening to Bambi, and outside my window, there's like snow falling on bare trees, and I can hear the animals, and like, and I could tie myself to that world. Like, I could imagine that. I could see the world that I was hearing about on this vinyl record. Some of the stories I loved so much and I listened to so much that I would actually memorize them. Like one of my earliest performance pieces was, was a tape that had like, I think it was like some Bible stories on it. It had like, I think, I think, I think Jonah was the one that I memorized. I just, but I memorized this whole story and I would stand up like on a table and tell it as like a five-year-old, you know? Yeah. Um, I realize this is all kind of random, but it's amazing when you reflect back on your life and you just kind of go, wow, like the seeds, right? The seeds of who I became and, and the things that brought me joy and the things that bring me joy, you know, mm-hmm. were planted so early. And like just so early, there was just sense of the things that brought me delight. And they're still sort of the same thing that bring me delight, you know? <laughs> Yeah, And this, this idea of, of music and of performing and of being in front of people and of sharing stories, it's still the thing that brings me delight and it's always been there. It's so cool to hear you explain those pieces because what strikes me, having been able to hear you perform many times, uh, and if, you, if listeners have a chance um, to check out Earl in a performance, he's really quite breathtaking. <laughs> Both the sound of your voice, but also what you're talking about here is like your ability to weave the stories, both of the songs that you're singing, but to hear you reflect ahead of some of the pieces, inspirational and done so lovingly that like, I feel like you bring us into a space where we can really understand the music and why you love it. But also we get inspired by the stories and the reflections that you bring ahead of each thing. It's, It's really so lovely so thank Thank you you so much that's very kind (laughs) of course you're it's it's a joy to hear you um perform it's so it sounds like that even in the high chart you were at least drawn to being a musician did you know at the time that you wanted to follow that to whatever that Um, led to no I don't think I did Uh, like I said it's just something that's kind of it has sort of developed it's hard to pinpoint a defining moment I mean so there I was in the high chair being drawn Mm -hmm. to the Beatles and you know I think when I was my my formal training started you know quite early it started actually when I was maybe seven or eight years old and I and I was in like a a boys choir locally and that was cool right didn't I didn't necessarily see it as as a life path at that point you know I played trumpet in junior high school if I had to point to a defining moment I think it's probably the moment when I was actually I, I was 14, um, 14 years old. And when I, my family at the time was, was living in, uh, in South America. My, my mom, I should explain that my mom um, immigrated to this country from Argentina. She met my dad when he was an exchange student uh, in Argentina and they met and they fell in love. And 
got married and ended up moving up here to California to raise us. Um, but when I was 14 years old, uh, my family decided that it was really time for us kids to be properly exposed to our mom's culture. We, we had been there, uh, you know, for summer vacations and whatnot, really kind of off and on all my life growing up. But they decided that it would be better for us to have a more extended stay. So we went down there for a year. Um, I finished up junior high school and we packed up all our stuff and got on a plane and went down and we were going to live in Argentina for a year. And what I discovered when I was down there is that the relationship that people have to music is really kind of astounding. It's sort of a part of life. It's, it's kind of woven into the fabric of everyday life in a way that it really isn't here. So, for example... I would go to school, and I was at a I was at an all boys school, and there would be guys who would come to school with their guitars, and there were several of them, and everyone kind of knew who the guitar guys were, right? Like everyone knew who the guys were who who knew how to play the guitar, and the guys who knew how to play the guitar, like you know during breaks or whatever, you know, when between classes, they'd get out the guitars and would be jamming on songs, and even if, even the people who didn't know how to play would all sing. Like, you know, whether they were good or not, they would all sing and they'd all sing together. And we'd get together for parties. These are high school kids, right? I mean, imagine the connotation of high schoolers having a party, you know, here is something very different from what it is down there because there, you know, we get together, we, you know, we cook up hamburgers, we'd sit around a fire in a circle and guitars would get passed around for like hours, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you just, just sing and play and, and share forever and, and different people would share their different songs that they knew and like I said everyone whether they could sing or not would sing well that was I think the moment where I discovered and other people around me sort of discovered and affirmed that I could sing and that I was actually quite good and so I sort of became kind of one of the stars of these little circles because people would want me to sing they'd be like hey sing us a song and I would and, and I kind of discovered at that point that I had a talent for it and I think that was actually the year during that year in Argentina that I also kind of started fiddling around with the guitar, too, to try to figure that out. You know, so I, I think that's definitely a moment in my life that defined it as something for which I had talent and ability. And and I think that during that time, I, I discovered the joy, the joy that comes from performance. Mm-hmm. If, if I had, if I can point to a moment where I discovered that joy that comes from performance, it has to have been during that trip. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you paint such a beautiful picture of both community and camaraderie and celebration and friendship. Um, Mm, It's, it's heartwarming because I'm, well, maybe not obviously, but I come from an American, you know, high school (laughs) background, if you will, (laughs) where, yeah, that wasn't, I mean, you know, you know, Tammy, Tammy and I might, we surely sat around and sang um, ourselves, but (laughs) That wasn't the parties that were happening at our high school. So I love that there is is that as part of a culture, because how magical to be joined in something other than mischief. (laughs) It was, it was remarkable and unbelievable. I mean, you know, that was, God, I mean, that was almost like 25 years ago now. And I still kind of look back on it. And it is one of the things, one of the times in my life that really shaped me. Mm. And, and, oh, just such such joy, and I look back on those days with with such with such joy and such love. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really it was a blessing to have to have had that experience. Yeah, well, and reflecting on that time too, though, I realized there was some of that as a camp counselor. We surely had that same kind of experience. Um, my mm. sister and I were counselors at Kennelin, which is in Santa mm. Cruz, for many summers, and there were the guitar guys. <laughs> And there were the, the evenings in the dining hall where we would all just sing because we collectively, you know, at campfire, we would sing with the kids. But yeah, that that was really special. And actually going around the last night of every um, session, because the sessions were like two weeks, the, the campers were told that they would stay in their bunks and be quiet. The, the counselors would all come serenade them. And so we wander the camp. Yeah, who? I'm sure there was mischief going on, but like we would wander sure. the camp and sing, you know, with our guitar guys. And there was never a dry eye in the group when we got to either where have all the flowers gone or leaving on a jet plane. Usually closed mm. us down. Um, but yeah, the emotion, and I'm sure you have that same thing around the time in Argentina is like the stories and the emotions that buoy 
you along. And like every time you hear those songs, you're probably like, oh. Oh, ab- I, no, absolutely. There, there, there are there are certain songs that yes, that, that can still bring tears to my eyes because mm-hmm. um, it it really is such a powerful medium. It yeah. really is, you know, and on some level, it's not even about, you need those guitar guys. You, you need the people who can lead, like someone has yeah. to lead, but it's as much about the people who aren't leading as it is about the people who are leading, because without their, without everybody singing, without everybody collaborating, with, without the sort of energy that the whole group puts out, um, without that, it's one guy standing by themselves with a guitar singing and you know I just feel like it's one of those experiences that is more than the sum of its parts there is something intangible that is created when a group of people share music it is really I want to soak that up (laughs) beautifully (laughs) stated yeah yeah and and the feeling of both the leader but also I love what you just said about being one of the people that is a participant or even a, a watcher like I can only imagine that you know, if that day you're not singing, you're still enjoying it with your friends yeah. or the group that's there and that there's, it's almost like communion, right? Like coming together yeah. for a greater purpose. Like that's- Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me over the years and they'd be like, you know, oh, well, you know, I love your music. And I'll be like, well, thank you. And, and I'll say, well, you know, do you play music at all? Or do you sing? I'll be like, no, I don't really play. I don't really play an instrument. I don't really sing in public, but, but, but I love to listen. And my response to that is always just God bless you because, you know, it really, believe it or not, by being a, an appreciative member of an audience, by giving your positive energy and your love and your enjoyment of what is going on to the musician, you, you are, you're feeding me as a performer. Mm-hmm. You feed me. You make it possible for me to do what I do. And, you know, I'll tell you what, like I've had gigs, um, some of the best paid gigs that I've had, you know, I had a residency in a couple of restaurants where it was guaranteed pay, you know, Friday, Saturday night, guaranteed pay, good pay every week. And that paycheck was awesome, but they were some of the most exhausting, awful gigs that I've ever had because I was sitting in a loud bar where there were people Mm -hmm. just getting drunk and flirting and being loud and you know I have no problem with people having fun on a Friday night but there I was trying to share something with them and I was screaming over bar noise for three hours and Mm. uh, I may as well have not been there I was just sort of you know ambiance or I don't even know why I was there honestly they could could have pumped you through the sound system and it would have been just about the same yeah and that's rough because definitely knowing there can be such a connection over music and that that is that's, it sounds like that's one of the things, at least, that lights you up about being a performer is is the community of it and the Absolutely. interaction. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's essential. Yeah. I could see that would be draining in almost every way to just be there. <laughs> I feel like, I, yeah, they, they could just pump in the hits from somewhere else. Yeah, no. Yeah. Like you said, awesome that it's a paycheck, but is that really honoring the art? No, I, right, I don't know. Right. No, yeah. You went to Cal. Did you yeah. did you major in music or performance or no. what was your <laughs> no, not, <laughs> okay. not, not even close. No. Okay. <laughs> I uh, I actually majored in ethnic studies. Um, oh wow, okay. I don't think I knew which that. Was, which, which was fascinating. Um it was definitely fascinating. I mean it, you know, it, for anyone who doesn't know, it's basically it's the study of, of the United States. The area of focus is, is on the United States. And it's, you know, it's literature, it's history, it's anthropology, but it's all from a multicultural perspective. It's looking at the United States through a multicultural lens and really viewing it as a multicultural society and sort of the history of, you know, the history of, of, of the melting pot, basically, right? I mean, the, the history of, of this beautifully, gloriously diverse society that we live in. It can be obviously an, an ugly history in, in some instances, but it's also it's also really beautiful. And 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 I think it I think I was drawn to it because you know I think I was I think honestly I, I was drawn to it probably because of my love of of story, mm-hmm. um, my love of history, my love of the way that people live and hearing about and learning about the way that people live. It just seemed like an amazing 
major and and it was one of these majors that I you know I kind of embraced and I honestly I didn't give any thought to what I was going to do with it <laughs> sometimes sometimes I look back and I think I, I should have majored in you know engineering or something more practical <laughs> but it was really enjoyable no um, my musical experiences at Cal uh, were actually interaction with music while I was at Cal was that I was in uh, one of the college acapella groups oh, wow. uh, called Artists called Artists in Resonance for two and a half years. And that was fun. I mean, that yeah. was just fun. Uh, you know, it's just this wonderful group of delightful, talented artists getting together and using nothing but their voices, just just voices, but creating, creating magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get voices that blend together to make an instrument. You have this, you have this group of like 10, 12 people that with their own bodies create a single instrument, a single sort of, you know, organism, as it were, that, that pumps out songs. Um, I did that for five semesters, and it was a blast. It was just one of the most fun things that I've ever done. Was it a men's acapella group? No, it was co-ed. I mean, obviously, acapella has blown up over the last few years. I, I mean, I remember <laughs> at Yale Divinity School which is where I, w- I went for master's. But um, we had a couple, I, obviously Yale has a, a very um, rich history of acapella and yeah. it was neat to hear them sing. It was also really like, there's a whole kind of cultural thing around acapella with kind of quirky names and yeah. I don't know, like a, a real sense of community that seemed to be coming out of each group. Yeah. The, what do you think of the recent blow up of things like um, full reality show about acapella groups and, I don't know, I kind of argue Glee is not quite that, but, you know, not quite kind that, of surrounded. But, but, but close. Well, you know, I mean, you know, to, to tell you the, the truth, I haven't been following that particularly closely, um, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised because because there is, you're right, there is, there is a community that develops and each group takes on an identity, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like, I mean, it's kind of like a family. You You end up very you end up very closely united to the people that you sing with. And that feels good. I'm trying to think as to why that should be. And and, and I think, I, you know, there are probably a couple reasons. I mean, I, I think that, A, you spend a lot of time together because mm-hmm. you have to, you know, rehearsing and, and whatever. You know, you're if you're involved in performances, you're in, frequently involved in an activity that is kind of electrocharged and fun and full of, adre- full of adrenaline and, and excitement, you know, because that's just kind of what performing is. I think also, though, that you, the closeness probably develops because you depend on each other. Sure. Um, if you're the soloist, you're depending on your team to hold you up and to give you the place to land and, and the springboard to, to leap from. And if you're not a soloist, if you're, if you're one of the backup singers, you form an integral part of the machine. And, yeah. you know, sometimes you might be the only person on a part. And if you're not there, that part's not there, and the song doesn't sound right. Um, so you, you come to meet each other, and that's wonderful, you know? Yeah, it, it does provide a really beautiful base. I mean, both for the audience, obviously, listening, it's usually a lot of fun to hear and to just be totally amazed that a group of people can make those sounds. Like, you're like, what? Yeah. How did that yeah. even? Especially, I mean, I got to admit, I love a good soloist. But I think, do they call it the the percussionist or the bass man or whoever the vo- that guy? The vocal, the vocal percussionist. Yeah, the guy, that's the guy insane. Who's, the guy who's beatboxing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Oh um, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that that's a skill I never had. But yes, people who can do good VP are 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 awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what what was your role usually in um in, uh, in well, the well, I'm a, I'm a tenor. I'm a tenor, mm-hmm. so I would be, you know, one of the tenors, and we would, you know, we would usually have, you know, two to three uh, tenors. Um, you know, I, I got to do some, I got to do some pretty awesome solos. You know, mm-hmm. I, I got some solos. Um, one of my favorite songs to sing that I actually got to solo on is that one one year we had uh, someone brought in um, for one of our new arrangements the song "Somebody to Love" by Queen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that song is just amazing, and I I auditioned for it and got the solo. And that was always our showstopper. Like, that was just always the song that just brought down the house. And awesome. it was a blast. It was just such a good time. You know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, 
in an acapella group, no one, you know, no one, no one should be, and and people rarely are solo hogs. I mean, most of the time, sure. most of the time, you're doing backs, and and that's important because it gives everyone a chance to shine. Mm-hmm. And you pass the solos around, and you make sure that everyone gets their moment in the spotlight. But I mean, it's it's you know, most of the time, it's not it's not about being in the spotlight. It's about supporting the soloist, whatever that may be. I think, and it's such a nice um, like kind of mirror of of what great relationship looks like, and and how we can support each other. Like, uh, it's mm. interesting if we look back. I, if people go back to the episode with Michelle Ward, we were talking a little bit about abundance and how if we're coming from a place of scarcity, which I, I kind of not the scarcity piece, but this abundance and scarcity thing, like the acapella team couldn't really work that well if you guys were all coming from a place of I want to be the soloist right now, like all no. the time. Like there's no, a shared not. sense yeah. of abundance and support and love and community that makes acapella possible um, yes. and beautiful. Yeah. Yes. No, you've, wow. you've, you've, hit the, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, I, I really like, I, I couldn't say it better. You, you, you've gotten it. Like, yeah. it, is, it is a community. It's a community and you feel very close to those people and you, you um, it is a lovely thing to be a part of. <laughs> yeah, I will have to look up and see if we can find somebody to love. Just done in acapella because I've got to hear it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Even if it's not you. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. We'll see if we no, can dig that song, up. Yeah. The song lends itself really well to acapella, though. Does it? it? Okay. Well, yeah, because it has all those. It has all those. I mean, even in the original recording, it's done with this crazy huge choir, right? I mean, there's so sure. many voices. Yeah. So and so, really, all you do is take away the piano, bass, and drums, and I mean, you're essentially left with the song practically arranged itself because there's, <laughs> there's so much choral. There's such a huge choral element to it, anyway. Oh, sounds like fun. Um, yeah. Well, we, as you know, but maybe our audience doesn't, met leading retreats and mm-hmm. have led many. I don't even, I can't even count. I don't know how I've many. I've lost count. It's been years. Yeah. <laughs> We've done together. Um, yeah. And I know probably we have, we probably share a ton of reasons why we love it and probably have some differences. But um, what lights you up about that? That kind of, I don't know, what lights you up about leading retreats? Well, you know, I mean, some of it has to do with things that we've already been talking about um, mm-hmm. in that, you know, leading retreats is, I mean, A, it's an opportunity to be up in front of people sharing your stories and your songs and your experiences, but also hearing theirs. You give what you have to give. And in a good retreat experience, the participants also give what they have to give and open up and feed you and give you share with you their lives and mm-hmm. that opportunity to be in a group of people all kind of opening up to each other and sharing their stories and sharing their experiences and lifting each other up is amazing. I So that's one of the things that I love about it. You know, I also, my faith is very important to me. I'm a person who is, you know, really in search of God and in search of knowing him and in search of experiencing him. And that's a huge part of who I am and the more you look into it, the more you explore, the more you delve into that. It just seems to me that the deeper I go, the more it opens up and the more kind of the more expansive and fathomless and mm-hmm. unbelievably beautiful is this reality of of God. It's just it's inexhaustible and you just, you can't, it's like the deeper you go, the more you realize that you've just scratched the surface. And so to have the opportunity to to explore that and plumb that to the depths and dive into it and roll around in it and, and learn and, and just immerse yourself is beautiful and powerful and joyful. And I love doing that. And you know, the retreat setting is one in which um, that's what you're doing. And mm-hmm. leading retreats, that's what you're doing. You're, you're, you're exploring that and you're going as deep as you can go. And not only is it allowed, but it's encouraged. And it's one of the few places in sort of one's life where that is allowed and encouraged because in the culture at large, most places, you don't get to talk about God, really, and you kind of have to hide it or downplay it, or it's not considered appropriate uh, 
material for conversation in a lot of places. So to be in this place where it is allowed and where it is encouraged and where you are allowed to dive into it um, is liberating and joyful. Hmm. Yeah. But there's something so special around the fact that people are actively entering into a place and a space where, like you're saying, like, they're seeking more relationship and it's either it could be more relationship with others, like like-minded people that want to talk about kind of the depths of their soul or the nature, sometimes the nature of the world today or how hard things have happened and how do we cope with that. But it's interesting and so refreshing almost like when we're invited in as retreat leaders to share in that exploration, like there's something mm. so so sacred and trusting. And yes. I, I think, I mean, I know you and I both only hold that in the highest of regard. Like, mm. and those moments like that are so magical. It's beyond magic. Yeah. It's mystical. Yes. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> but I it's almost like. a better word. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's, it's mystical. And, and, and I loved what you were saying about sacred, like just the sacred yeah. space that is created. The yeah. sacred space that's created around the retreat setting. That's just mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah, and it's almost like just passing across the threshold there is giving everyone in the space the permission to go as deep as they want and explore as big as they want. And then what happens, especially for for listeners, some of our retreat work has been around young adults, which at least this at the retreat center we lead at is 18 to 40-year-olds, which (laughs) is a confusingly large group of Just so you guys have a sense of who we talk to, but um, especially seeing some young adults who maybe haven't had that permission given or haven't had the space to really dig, to see them go for it is just, Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good thing. Just see people be given permission to spread their wings. Mm. Yeah. And And to just be who they are. And embrace it. To yeah. even fly like a bird. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. You might have to explain have, that one to our listeners. Yeah, <laughs> listeners. Earl sings a beautiful rendition of Fly Like a Bird to the Lord My Soul. I don't know the official name of that song even. And yeah. the most requested song. <laughs> but I don't think this last retreat you played it. You know, I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I was wondering if you were going to catch that. It, it, I decided that I had to break the streak sometime. <laughs> and it just felt it just felt like the right time. Around that, I mean, that's a great place to segue. You you have written some songs mm-hmm. and have what is it? Three CDs out. I have three CDs out. Yeah. Cool. Where can uh, this would be a great place to plug if people were interested in finding out more about your CDs or or you? Where can where can they find you? I have a website, and my website is uh, it's earljohnrevard.com. Uh, that's that's John with no H. Uh, and there you can learn a little bit more about me. You can hear some samples of my work. And yeah, there there are actually, there's also a place there where you can buy two of the three CDs that I have recorded. My, my first one, I don't believe, is available there. Yeah, you know, I, I made my first album, gosh, almost 10 years ago now. Wow. And um, yeah, I, I, I made an album called, uh, called Troubadour Blue. And it was... Uh, <laughs> I listen to it now, and, and, and I realize it's pretty stripped down. It's very it's very basic, mostly just kind of guitar and vocals with, with a few keyboards thrown in. But, you know, that album is composed of a few songs that I've written. I think there are four of my songs on there. And then the other eight songs are actually songs that my dad has written. My dad, my dad is a much more prolific songwriter than I am. I've written a few, and I've co-written a few. He and I have, have written some together. But one of the things I never really discovered in myself is the gift of being able to write a ton of material. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a little frustrating, right? I mean, it'd be wonderful if I could be one of these guys who just rolls out songs, but, but that's really just never been me. I've always been more of an interpreter than a composer. The songs that I do write though are very personal to me and, and they're usually wrapped around, you know, some, some very personal experience, have some intense emotion behind them. So people, you know, people tend to enjoy them. My second CD was uh, also comprised of original music. And on that one, it was songs that I had written, songs that my dad had written, and then some songs that we co-wrote together. And my second CD uh, was called Underground Railroad. Uh, mm-hmm. And I recorded that in uh, in 2009. And that, that CD, you know, was a little bit more fleshed out. I actually got a full band into the studio. So I had bass and drums and piano and, and guitar, and it's kind of more of a full band sound. And so... 
that was my second album, you know, and, and I'm really proud of it. I uh, I took more time. I had I had a slightly bigger budget, so I was able to take some more time in the studio to to really get it, you know, to get everything sounding right and tweak everything and 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 really and really just get some wonderful production on that one. And then my third album uh, I recorded just last year, and my third album is actually uh, the first the first album in which I didn't actually write any of the songs. It's all covers, and it's um it's contemporary praise music. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I was I do a lot of work in churches. I do a lot of music in churches, and I and I do the retreat leading, which which I mentioned earlier, and and I took some of my favorite songs and I found a wonderful producer in Hayward and and put together this third album and I and I released it just last year and I'm and I'm really proud of it. I I feel like with each of my albums I grow as an artist mm-hmm. and that's a beautiful feeling. It's wonderful to be able to look back and kind of be like, hey, this is where I've been. But look where I've come since then. And each album kind of becomes a milestone. Um, and you can kind of point to it and say, yes, that was this particular stage in, you know, the beautiful unfolding, developing process, which is, which is, you know, growing as an artist. And that's never complete. Like you're never, yeah. never done growing as an artist. But it's wonderful to have those albums that you can kind of use as, as milestones. It's almost like, you know, when you were a little kid and, and you would stand against the door jam and they'd mark your height with a pencil mark on the wall, you know? Yeah. And you just kind of, you see like, okay, this is where I was six months ago and now I've grown, you know, this is where I am now. But that mark is always there to show you where you were. One of my clients recently called that kind of thing of like creating, creating out of what, who and what you are right now is the art of now is what she was yeah. calling it. And getting really uh-huh. comfortable with like that, that today's album or today's event, whatever it is, looks one way, but kind of the appreciation and the love that you could throw on that instead of getting caught up with overwhelm and feeling like, but it could be, it could be, you know, it could be any of these things, but mm. well, no, but right now represents who you are and what you're doing and what your love of things is. So yeah. like getting really comfortable with that art of now, like I love that idea from her. It was just, I, love, I love that idea too. That's awesome. Yeah. It was really, that was, a, that was a good one. <laughs> what kind of advice would you give people who might be looking to record their own albums? <laughs> um, I think that, well, I think one piece of advice that I would give you is you can, and if you have the time and if you have the money, get yourself a good producer. Really, you know, there there are plenty of people out there who have studios who really just know what they're doing and are available for hire. And you can go and you can work with these people and a good producer will listen to you and will listen to your vision for what you want the albums to be, will try to hear who you are and what statement you're trying to make with that album and they will help you they will help you not only with the with the technical process of recording all the you know setting levels and mixing and making sure that you know the mics are set up properly and everything's the different tracks are isolated and all the rest of that but they'll help you tell your story they'll help you find the right instruments to put on a certain track they will help you you know create the right because an album an album should be more than a random collection of songs an album is not a random collection of songs. And an album right. is a unified piece of art that tells a story and mm-hmm. that should hang together by itself and should have ebb and flow and peak and valley and just all, you know. My last album, I remember my, my wife and I, we actually, we, we, she and I together selected the songs. We talked about what would be good songs to record. And then she wrote the title of each song on like an index card. And we hung it up on our wall. Uh, and we actually hung it up at different heights. So, like, it kind of started in one place, and then the next index card might be you know, kind of slightly higher up the wall because the album is kind of in an escalating mode. And then at one point it drops back down to, you know, kind of a lower place. And it was, you know, it was a, it was a visual representation that, that it's hard to translate the auditory experience into a visual mode, but, but the idea that we were trying to convey was that the, that the album swelled and dropped and rose and fell and the order of the songs mattered it wasn't just hey let's just throw these songs all together on a on disc the order mattered you know the beginning the middle the end and um a producer will help you achieve that so i think that's one thing i would definitely recommend if you can if you have the, if you have the money and then you know and then also take the time take the time in the studio recording is a slow process it takes mm-hmm. It takes time. It can take weeks. It can take a couple months to finish the album. And be patient. I mean, you, you 
can do it in a slapdash fashion, but you'll get a slapdash album, and, and that's not what you want. You want something that you can be proud of. Thank you. That's that is I think that's lovely advice, especially understanding the story, which seems to be such a such a big theme with this with this episode. And I mean, honestly, with you, that you see story in a way. And you want that to be presented, whether that be, I mean, we've talked about like the arc in a retreat or how you craft even individual talks, but like that album would also have that same kind of arc and story and flow. Like, I love that, that that's something that you've considered, that you see it all coming together as a whole, not just like yeah. you're saying, a, a bunch of individual songs that, you know, are all upbeat and, and happy and, and sure everyone loves them, but then do they you know, 20 years down the line, do they do they cling together and would somebody pick it up and get the story? So what's next for you um, as you look down the road? What what a, what comes up for you in the future? I don't really know. It's a constantly, it, it is a constantly unfolding adventure. I've actually begun learning how to sing opera, um, which is kind of a new and exciting venture as far as music goes. Um, I've, been, I've been studying with private teachers for about seven years, but for the last two years I've been working with this guy in San Jose who's been teaching me um, operatic technique. And that's really exciting because it's a whole new world. It really brings together a lot of the things that I love because it is, you know, it does time music and story together. And, and it's also kind of like, you know, it's also kind of like time travel because so many of these operas are set in different times and places. And so that's that's exciting to me because it kind of allows you to enter into new worlds. And other than that, I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing. I'm going to keep singing. I'm going to keep performing. I'm going to keep sharing. I'm going to keep leading retreats. Just kind of see what opens up, see what wonderful opportunities and adventures await. I think that's, it's so beautiful. You can hold space for whatever will be, right? Like, it's so... <laughs> so accepting and so uh, there's abundance there too like just trust it's another mm. one that i know michelle talked about and just the acceptance and the trust that what will what is meant to come will come yeah. i kind of hearkened to sister michelle too one of our i guess mentors hi sister mm. michelle <laughs> if you're listening <laughs> hi. we love you <laughs> but that whole idea of the right people will be there at the right time and the right thing will yeah. happen like yeah. that trust so hard to learn and yet so it's lovely important. to lean into yeah you know it's important it's honestly honestly none of us knows even what tomorrow holds right mm, yeah totally yeah. So. yeah well one of the things that tomorrow does hold what a nice segue right is that uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't you love how we set that up <laughs> yeah very good podcasting. But one of the things we're doing in the future, which is uh, coming up November 13th through 15th, is Dream Into Action Retreat. I am so excited about it and so excited. That oh, my goodness, me too. Yeah. Definitely the full ticket experience. Feeling <laughs> 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 it as. Um, what excites you about this one? This so this is this is a whole new experience for me. I've never I've never led a retreat like this. Yeah. Um, this, this is this is going to be something new. But I think what's really exciting about Dream Into Action is that it it really does create, you know, it's an opportunity for for anyone who doesn't have their path figured out clearly to get some insight. You know, mm -hmm. anyone who is still dreaming about, you know, or, or trying to figure out, well, what is it that excites me? What is my story? What am I trying to, you know? What's the story I'm trying to tell? What is the mark that I'm trying to make on the world? What can I do with the gifts that I have and the passions that I have? What can I do with them? Where can I take them? Anyone who's asking those questions, um, you know, can come to this retreat. I think that it'll be an opportunity for, for us to give people some tools with which they can start to examine those questions and pry them apart and go more deeply into them and begin to discover some of the answers within themselves. And that's, you know, that's exciting. A lot of the time when people are faced with these questions, it feels like there are no immediately discernible tools for, for answers. And I think we're going to offer that. I think we're going to offer people some some direction and some guidance and some just a sense of you know a you're you're not alone and there are other people who are asking the same questions and we're going to take a weekend and think about them deeply and look at them deeply and mm -hmm. and maybe help you to discover some of the answers yeah sometimes it takes a little space and time and just 
I don't know, kind of giving yourself permission maybe to explore that stuff. Because for me, at least, there's I know there's lots of dreams that have sat on my heart and in my mind. It feels like both making the steps to make it a reality and but also just laying out that time because some of this stuff just takes time. (laughs) But like that's, yeah, that's, this is like a great early step for someone if they already know, well, I really love writing. How do I do more of that? Like, what can I do with that? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's the space where this retreat, I mean, it's going to shine and like be crazy awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because if you already know. Yeah. It is going to be crazy awesome. No, it absolutely (laughs) is. (laughs) It absolutely is. And yes, I liked what you were saying about this idea of creating a space, a creating a space where, where, where mm. you're allowed to dream, where you're allowed to explore, like, what are the things that really bring you joy and the things yeah. that you really want to see more of in your life? Yeah. Um, because it's not, you know, there are not very many places where that is encouraged. Right. You know? First taking the step of saying, I want that, or I can't stop listening to this thing that's keeps coming up in my head and I've been thinking about Mm. for five years like there's that it's kind of maybe been following you around and you're like uh maybe it's time to listen to this thing where I've in my own example been writing down a list of people I would love to interview for like four years and hi podcast (laughs) (laughs) totally it all goes meta on me and so that's another interesting if you come each of us is we're on this if you will the the trajectory here like we've been through it we're going through it we're going to continue to go through trying to find out how we live our own dream but like paying attention to that little voice that's like why are you creating all these lists what is it that you want there's something else here that you're being called to do and whether that be a call from you know however you interpret higher power or if you don't like you've got something you came here on this planet to do something and as dr wayne dyer um may he rest in peace, says that he didn't want to die with the music still in him. So Mm. seize the day, friend. (laughs) Don't die with the music still in you. Yeah. (laughs) How enjoyed it. No, absolutely. And what's going to be really beautiful about this is that, you know, it's going to be a group of people who are all on a journey. But it's it's kind of like what I was saying about, you know, we were talking about the music music earlier and, and, the role that an, that an audience plays, you know, each person is going to have something to bring and each person is going to have their own story to tell and their own journey. And we're going to be able to, you know, we're going to be able to feed each other and inspire each other and help each other clarify, you know, what that journey looks like, because you're right. Each of us has a unique role to play. Each of us has been put on this planet to do something unique and unrepeatable. And hearing where other people are, I think, is going to help everyone on this retreat more clearly understand what their particular symphony is that they're called to write or, you know, just mm-hmm. what, what is their path. Anyone who comes on this is going to have the opportunity to share their story and yeah. their insight. You will learn from us, but we will learn from you. And this will be mm-hmm. a chance to, to build a community and to be surrounded mm-hmm. by like-minded people who are going to inspire us. And I know from one of coaches that I'm working with that's in the the program that I've been in, um, she's even talked a little bit about how last year she started coaching and it was very hard. She was on her own and didn't really have what we would, you know, in coachy speak, (laughs) call a tribe, right? But Mm. the minute she stepped into a place where now there's 30 of us in this program, courageous coaching training program if you guys anyone out there is looking for one it's awesome uh hit me up i'd be happy to tell you about it but once she stepped into this program she felt you know supported and loved and like things became possible because she i think very importantly felt that she was not alone and Mm. i think the the loneliness or the aloneness which I actually think are very different things. I think once you know that you've got people on your side and that that we're all in this together, it becomes a very different conversation. And so I think, yeah, this retreat, you're going to meet these, this group of people that we're in this together. Like this isn't, you're not on your own. (laughs) We all have dreams. You're not the only one. And we want to, we all want to help each other get to whatever that dream is. Cause this world's going to be, even if it's a little cheesy, a better place. If we're all, if we're, you know, there's a Lutheran song about all God's creatures got a place in the choir. Like if we're yeah. all singing, it's better. It's, yeah. it's better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
And if we know our place, if we can find our place, mm. we're going to be able to sing, you know, all the more convincingly and just shine and make a difference yeah. in the world and to those around I love us. that. Well, I think, thank you. Um, I mean, this is just, I would love to keep going like another hour because <laughs> obviously we are oh, two thanks. peas in a pod and we, oh. yeah, we just always get along so delightfully. Uh, but thank you so much. And I'll, we'll jump into the, the last question in just a second. But thank you so much for taking the time here. And thank, thank you, you so for, much for having me. This has been so much fun. Yeah, it really has. And thank you for spreading your joy, you know, the way that you do, because uh, we need you. <laughs> we need musicians. We need inspiring people. And thank you for being you, Earl. Um, oh, thank you, Paula. That's very kind. Of course. So our last question, um, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in the lives of others? Wow. So I think the first way you can jumpstart joy is to be very true to the things that you love. Pay, pay attention to the things that you, that you love and embrace them. You know, I think it's, it's like C.S. Lewis who says that the, uh, the things in life that kind of call to us, and they can be anything. They can be, you know, they can be certain books or certain types of music or certain whatever, like, but those things that, that just speak to our hearts, those things are God calling us to himself and calling us to be more fully ourselves. So, you know, really embrace the things that bring you joy and celebrate them and share them with other people. I think that's the first thing. Um, I think the second thing is to really be in love to the extent that you can with the people around you and really see yourself as a person who is here to serve those in your community. Give give yourself away. Just give yourself away. Give yourself away to the people around you. you In my case, I live that every day in, in, in my marriage. I try to give myself away to my wife, but it's, you know, those of you who aren't married, you know, just whoever's around you, whoever's in your community, your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, just, just try to be as generous as you can. I think that that really contributes to joy. And then the third thing I would say is be brave, be adventurous, take a leap every now and then, just take a leap of faith and Trust that things are going to be okay. Don't just play it safe all the time. Very well said. <laughs> I love all of them. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Got to soak that goodness in. Thank you so much, Earl, for joining me today and for all of your insights and wisdom. It's been such a joy. I mean, really, just to, to have you here and to get to talk to you. So thank you this, this so much. This has been wonderful, Paula. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you really enjoyed that talk with Earl. He and I are such great friends, and it was such a blessing to have him on the podcast. So next week, I have a very special interview lined up with Kate Courageous. She is my mentor. She's the leader of the Courageous Coaching Training Program. She's an amazing coach, an author, and she will be one of the keynote speakers for the upcoming Dream Into Action Retreat. I sure hope you'll come back next week to hear her talk. And if you would like to join in on Dream Into Action and get more information, simply text the word READY, R-E-A-D-Y, to 66866. Thank you so much. And until next week, I hope your world is filled with so much joy.